I am recording now. And so they were, now we're going to go ahead and take this live on Facebook. Okay, sounds good. Okay. And it's just a little delay sometimes as they ask questions. Millions of questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. I guess I should have did this before. Mm -mm. Okay, we are now about to go live and hitting the button. Okay. Okay. Hello, everyone. We are now live. I am Ernestine Lyons, the host of Quick to Politic, and we are joined by a wonderful special guest here today. We have Cynthia Douglas of the Girls Point Harper Woods NAACP, and she is a modern Renaissance woman. She has worn multiple hats, very active and activist, and she is just wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Cynthia. Let's get oh. to know you. Oh, get to know me. So thank you so much. First of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity to uh, present myself to uh, individuals and introduce myself to others and have others who already know me to get a little bit more acquainted. So I thank you very much. And I thank you for everything that you're doing within the community. So um, thank you. And thank you for this time. So um, like you said, I am Cynthia Douglas. I am the president of the Gross Points in Harper Woods and AACP. Um, I've been president for the last um, two years or so. I just got reelected to president, so I'll be serving my second term as president. Uh, in my previous life, um, I worked for three mayors of the city of Detroit, um, and I worked for the city of Detroit for 18 years. And um, I'm currently employed with uh, Wayne County, been at Wayne County for 14 years and um, worked uh, for the then chairwoman, Jewel Ware, who we recently lost. She passed and I wanna offer condolences to her family, um, if it was and not for her. Know. That was yeah. that was just very sad to hear. And you know, I didn't, I have never had the pleasure of meeting her, but it was very sad, you know. Yeah. She was thing. a wonderful woman, um, learned a lot from her, a strong community leader. Um, and I, I miss her, if it was not for her, I would not have been at Wayne County because uh, that's where I started my employment was with her. Um, and so she would be greatly missed, I can imagine. Uh, the commission without her, but wonderful. So I just want to offer my condolences to her family. Um, so again, I was with the county, I've been with the county for 14 years. I'm currently executive assistant for the whole commission now. Um, and, you know, it's just been great. I serve on the board for the Gross Point Chamber of Commerce. And um, that's it, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> So serving on the Gross Point Chamber of Commerce is actually a new fun fact that I didn't know about. You know, oh. I know that you you know just about everybody within Wayne County and, <laughs> you know, but of course, of course, that's just naturally a fit for you. So, you know, yeah. um, 
thank you. Thank you so much for, for telling us about yourself. And, you know, um, I wanted to also say to those of you out there watching on Facebook, well, there was a little bit of a delay. We are here with Cynthia Douglas, um, the president of the Gross Point Harper Woods NAACP. So um, we're going to dive right into some some questions to just talk about this year has been very, very it's been a different year. It's people keep saying, you know, it's an unprecedented year. We faced a lot of challenges, but you know, you are an activist and a community leader. And what has this year been like as far as facing and seeing social justice, you know, and would you say that this is this is a different type of you know, social justice revolution that we've seen in 2020. And you, we've seen some of these, the, the fights, the struggles, the, the nationwide protests. Um, do you think that, you know, we've really moved the needle forward this year more so than others, as far as fighting for, for rights of marginalized people? Or do you say that, you know, this, this, this is nothing compared to other things I've seen. And, you know, where do you see this struggle continuing to go from here? Well, you know, being a part of a civil rights organization such as NAACP that has been fighting for civil rights for over a hundred years. Um, and this is just another chapter for the NAACP. Um, we have been fighting for civil rights for, like I said, over a hundred years. Um, and each time is something different, but everything is the same in some way, you know, because we are fighting for civil rights. Um, this year, I think the difference is, is that with the media, with the uh, Facebooks and such a quickness to um, see these things firsthand and immediately after or during the act, um, there's a difference. So now people get to see these things in real time, as opposed to when we were having riots and other unrest, such as this, um, like the George Floyd incident, where we saw that in um, almost real time. You know, so in the past, we had to wait, you know, until the media chose to present us with these things. But because of the social media aspect of things, I think that makes a big difference. And people really see how, um, you know, African-Americans are being treated in real time. And to see a man um, die before your eyes um, and we're home during this COVID time. So, you know, you spending a lot of more time in front of the TV. And so to watch this man uh, die in front of your eyes and call for his mother is just, it was just unreal. And I think that woke a lot of people up to say, wait a minute, why is this officer on his neck? You got four people, you know, sitting on this man, he's handcuffed. Why is that happening? Um, so I think it woke a lot of people up to the realization that these things are real and they happen, you know, and they happen in real time. So this is not new to the NAACP because we've been fighting for these things and we've seen it down the line, the March on Selma where they were attacked, they were peacefully marching, people were attacked, including um, Congressman Lewis, who was in that group and he was attacked, um, beaten, you know, and suffered some severe injuries. Uh, but we didn't see those things until the media decided that they wanted to uh, put those on TV. Um, so, but in now in 2020, we see these things in real life. So I think we go through stages, ebbs and flows with the different 
um, civil rights issues that we have, we're in this moment now um, with these injustices, with um, police issues and um, how they handle black people. And I think people are really seeing how um, this community, these groups are being handled. You know, black people have been suffering for years, you know, so now we get to see it in real time, so. You know, I'm, I'm actually glad that you mentioned, you know, uh, seeing things in real times, and this kind of leads to a off the script question. That's <laughs> a little bit more about how the immediacy of social media, and this is something that, okay, five years ago, you had, you know, a lot of civil unrest, and that's when you first started hearing Black Lives Matter. Um, and, you know, uh, at the middle part of last decade, you were seeing a lot of this, this sort of, you know, mobilization because of social media. But now I think that social media is a little bit more um, it's omnipresent. It's it's everywhere. Everyone has a smartphone. Back then, maybe only a couple of people had smartphones. But, right. you know, I think the immediacy kind of leads to a greater sense of mobilization and then movements lead to actual demands. And this is something that I saw for the first time. I didn't see this when, you know, people were protesting in the streets, um, you know, five years ago when, um, when you had, you know, just, just a lot of, of these same, you know, case after case after case on un unarmed black person you know being shot you know being right. murdered you know there wasn't this sense of we're going to march in the street everybody's going to do it it's not just us black people but it's everybody but then we're also going to have demands there were no yeah. demands that i that came out of you know what happened last time and so now this decade i think things are different and you pointed out that whole immediacy of social media and then you said something that has to do with like you know um you know, how things are going to be handled, you know, the media in the past had control over the narrative that we were right. hearing. But now right. it's more social media dictates what the media will do. And so, you know, this is a conversation I had with uh, Randy Wembley from Fox 2 News um, on, he was on an episode of Quick to Politic, and we talked about how social media influencers and social media folks who are, uh, you know, info, um, what was the term that I, it's, it's, it's a term that's being floated around out there where it's like, you're an uh, internet informer. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he talked about how some, in some ways they are dictating what the news should be covering when the media is not controlling the narrative anymore, the people are. So right. what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, and I, you know, and I think that um, it's a good thing, you know, in some instances, I think it's a good thing, um, because, like I said, in previous times, you know, the media, like you said, the media controlled what we saw, when we saw it. So now with this instant uh, media coverage with people on Facebook who are diligent about posting things and, you know, letting communities know what's going on. Um, that's how a lot of us find out about what's going on in our community. And now that this has happened, the media has to step its game up and, and try to be ahead of it again, you know, try to be the ones because that's how they get their ratings. That's how they get their, you know, viewership, you know, because they want to be the first to break the news, you know, breaking news and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but people are paying more attention to social media now than they have. Uh, with news industries. And I think it's a good thing because we need to know these things. We need to know what's going on in our community. Um, so I think 
you know, on one end, it's good. Um, some things need to be left off of social media, <laughs> you know, but things of importance like the George Floyd matter, um, like the marches that we have, you know, and, and some, uh, as we post these things on Facebook, they're more positive, you know, about the marches and things like that, whereas the media will, we need to see what's going on and people causing more disturbance at these marches than anything, but there's also a positive side on it. And we also need to see that side as well, so. I'm, I'm really glad that you, you know, you shed some light on that. And I think, you know, case in point, I know uh, one of one of the state representatives was recently in trouble. I believe her name is Cynthia Johnson right. um, over just responding to something on social media. And, right. you know, even in my own community, you were the one who reached out to me over the past summer when a lot of different things happened in my own community of Harper Woods. And honestly, I was hearing it from you for the first time because of something you saw on social media or whatever the case. And so, um, you know, I think it, it's really, it's, a, it's a, a sign of the times. And, you know, I remember when I first got on Facebook and started using social media, like, I think 2007 is when I first got mm -hmm. a Facebook account. I never would have imagined that it would have been the thing that was controlling me and telling me right. where my news is going to be and informing me of anything. Um, so, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for that perspective. But I do want to shift gears here for a little bit. You recently ran for um, school board for the Girls Point School District and, um, you know, where diversity and representation were at the forefront of discussions. Um, mm -hmm. And so tell us about the platform that you ran on with the school board. So I mainly ran on um, the race equity and inclusion and um, also the digital divide um, that we experience here. Um, and also to support our teachers, especially during this COVID period. Um, you know, they have a hard job that they had to balance, you know, during this COVID, trying to balance their own family life, you know, because a lot of the teachers had children, and then to balance, you know, going to work and having to support uh, a job in which they like, you know, they love most of them. So, you know, it, it was uh, to support them, but more importantly, you know, the race inclusion and um, equity of everything, you know, we have students who are marginalized in our, our district. Um, and so I felt that they weren't um, being serviced. Um, we have students who, who in this COVID time don't have access to internet, who don't have access to the uh, latest equipment either uh, a computer or iPad, they're doing their homework and schoolwork on an iPhone that's shared by their parents. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, and the connections are not great um, or either they don't have the quality service. If you have four people in your house and you have internet service that, you know, is not up to speed and you have four people, you know, two students or three students and a mother or a father or whoever, and all these people on the internet, you know, it slows everything down. And it made a number of students difficult uh, to be able to learn in this kind of environment. And, and so those marginalized students, and I'm not only talking about um, students of African-American descent, but we also have students that have special needs, you know, who also suffered in this environment. So, um, but then we had those students who have the latest and greatest, who have iPads, who have, um, laptops who have uh, great internet service and it's not an issue, um, who 
had that and were able to learn, um, although it's probably difficult for them too because of the socialization part of it. And I think all students and parents need that break, <laughs> you know, to have their students in class. And then the socialization, I think that builds a character for students as well to be around other students to understand how things work and working together, you know, as opposed to being at home with your parents. But, um, you know, it was, that was my whole thing is to have inclusion within our school district because our district is changing. We're getting more and more um, people of color um, in this community and we need to adapt, you know, our school board and the administration, we need to see more people of color in those positions. You know, we have a few principals who are of color, you know, Roy Bishop, who is at Mason, who is a phenomenal, um, and he's here. Uh, we have a couple of teachers now that we have in the school district, but it's still not enough. We still need to change. Our school board now has, um, you know, Joe Hurd, uh, but we still need more diversity on that school board. Um, the reason I ran is because I wanted, um, you know, young ladies who look like me to see me there representing them. You know, during the reconfiguration, we heard how, you know, um, students and parents from Popard um, were not comfortable coming to the school board meetings or talking to the administration because they felt they weren't being heard. Um, I heard that a number of times. And so I felt that I needed to be their voice. And so um, that's what I ran on was to have inclusion of all students. And now that the reconfiguration has, had, has happened, we need to support those students um, of color that are over here now, um, who are attending Mason and um, Monteef and uh, the other schools that they're attending. So we need to support them in those um, issues because they belong here. They're part of this community and they need to be treated as such, so. I'm, I'm glad you touched on the social equity and just you know diversity uh, sort of talking point because there were some candidates who run, ran and who were unsuccessful. They um, ran on kind of a hate slate. This is what you know members of the community had actually dubbed it. Um, right. Where I remember in during a de debate hosted by the League of Women Voters, there was a sort of segment that they talked about um, certain kids don't belong in Gross Point and. You know, they 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 say, oh, here comes that bus from you know. Some one woman actually said this. Here comes that bus right. from that school with those kids who you know don't really belong here. And I remember thinking, I can't believe that, you know, in this little area here, you know, especially considering that Gross Point has had a lot of changes, especially since you know you guys as the Gross Point. Uh, Harper Woods NAACP and then welcoming everyone Gross Point or WeGP. You know, you're really advocating for you know, a change. And to me, it's not necessarily even a racial change. It's a socioeconomic one that is, has historically been exclusionary in Gross Point. Right. And I think it has more to do with the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of wealth and privilege in the Gross Points for a very long time. And so now you do have a lot of, you know, a lot more people who are, you know, working class, middle class and moving into the points and upwardly mobile people who want opportunities. And I think that's where, you know, that that shift is changing and people are not necessarily comfortable with seeing those kind of changes. So it's, it's that that compounds also the racial element. So, you know, what were some of your 
thoughts when you were hearing some of these things about, you know, what some of your opponents were, you know, saying um, as as you ran for, for school board? Well, first of all, it was very disappointing. Um, that was not the first time that I've heard things like that. During reconfiguration, we heard those same things where they referred to the children um, from Prepared, they and them, um, you know, uh, which was <laughs> very hurtful to hear. Um, and so as we uh, continued on this, the, like you said, the hate slate um, and the one person in particular who was talking about they didn't belong here and they're coming into somebody else's community. Um, this is the community that they are entitled to be in because they pay taxes um, and they are supposed to be within the Gross Point School system. Um, and my thing is, is that, you know, if that should have been a learning point for that person who said that when they saw children saying, here comes that bus, um, that's a learning opportunity for you to pull your child aside and, and tell them that is not the appropriate thing to say. You know, these children are part of this school system and it doesn't matter if they come by bus, car, bicycle, whatever, they are still a part of this community and we should treat them as such. Or, you know, have your child introduce themselves to the children, you know, coming from Prepart and welcome them into the schools that they're now attending. It's their school. It doesn't matter, you know, if they attended one school and now they're at another school, it's still their school and they are entitled to be a part of that. Um, and for a grown person in 2020 to say that is just disheartening. We have enough with our children, you know, <laughs> being um, disrespectful, but that children are not born that way. They're taught, they've heard that from someone and it's more than likely an older person. So now you have an older person teaching your child your ways, but we need to start teaching our children to respect differences. There's nothing wrong with being different. They're different than somebody else. You know, your child is different from another child. That child is different from another child. So we need to honor and respect each other's differences and not taunt them because of the fact that they are different. Thank you. Thank you for, for, you know, elaborating on that. And, you know, I think that, that our diversities are our strengths and, you know, it's really important to be able to have those teachable moments and to have those moments where, you know, we are being the better angels and we are, you know, just, just really advocating for, you know, being the best versions of ourselves. So sure. I do want to, you know, kind of get a little bit more into, you know, your role in the, you know, so you, you, you tried your hand at running the, <laughs> for, for the Harper Woods, or, I'm sorry, not Harper Woods, but the Gross Point um, School Board. And so now you're, you're back with the NAACP and um, you, what is your vision for, you know, just continuing that struggle that you, that platform that you ran isn't going anywhere. You know, you, you still are the same Cynthia who's like, lit up and excited and, you know, invigorated about, you know, bringing about that sense of social justice. So what's the vision for the Gross Point Harper Woods NAACP? Because it's 111 years since the NAACP was founded and we're still fighting for social justice. Correct. Yeah. And just, just so I tried to get appointed to the school board twice prior um, to uh, running. 
Uh, and I, after the second time of trying, you know, to get appointed and I was turned down and, but they got a great person and Joe her, you know, during that time. But, you know, after that time, I was like, well, you know what, I want to give the community an opportunity to express. And, you know, although I, I wasn't chosen this time, it, my passion was always there for children of this district. It was always there for this community ever since I moved in here. So, uh, 14 years ago. So um, the passion has always been there and it will continue to be there. Um, my vision for the um, branch is to continue to grow, to continue to support this community. Uh, we've been hosting uh, government leader forums where we invite um, the uh, mayors and public safety officers from all five gross points to Harper Woods and East Point. Um, we've had great dialogue about uh, the issues that we feel are important to uh, people of color that live in this community. And we've had some great dialogue, some great back and forth. And there has been some uh, initiatives done and some changes done. And uh, we plan to continue that in 2020. So we really want to bring that to the forefront and invite the community to um, communicate with us in terms of what their concerns are with. Um, you know, the, the issues that they're having uh, within the community so that we can bring those to those individuals that we're meeting with on a monthly basis. Um, also, you know, we wanna get more youth involved as well. You know, I'm, I'm so passionate about these young people here and they have so many ideas and so many things that they can bring to the table because trust me, 10 years, I don't wanna be still I'm president of Gross Point Harper Woods and NAACP. I want a young person to be saying that. I want a young person to be taking over the realms. We have a young man now that uh, is part of our youth division, Jalen Bradley. He is a dynamic young man. I just love him. And he's bringing a lot of ideas to us. Things that we, as you know, the, the elder people <laughs> sometimes don't think about, you know, and just having those fresh ideas and those fresh ears and those fresh brains, you know, bringing us more ideas of how we can better service the community is a passion of mine as well. I'm, I'm passionate about bringing young people into this fold, um, as well as continuing to work with the group that we have now, the membership that we have now, um, you know, they are passionate about this as well, and they want what's best for this community, and they're willing to do a lot of things to service the community and to bring forth ideas. I mean, we can't do this by ourselves. Um, we, it takes a, a village <laughs> to do this, and we have a village within our branch, but we would like more people to join us, and anybody who wants to attend our meetings, you know, we have them the second Thursday of the month at six o'clock. Uh, we post them on our Facebook page um, and we welcome anybody. We welcome, if you would like to just sit in and listen, we welcome new members. Um, and as, you know, as long as you support the mission of the NAACP, uh, we welcome you. Um, right. So, I mean, it's, we want to continue to do the work of, of civil rights. We want to continue to bring forth the issues that African-Americans face on a daily basis. Um, we want to um, bring insight to how can we work together, you know, to make this community uh, a better place for everybody, you know? So that's what we want. We wanna have open dialogue. We want to have the hard discussions about race. We wanna have the hard discussions about equity. We, 
we know they're difficult to talk about. And we know there are some people out there who don't think there's an issue, mm-hmm. um, you know, because they've lived in the privileged bubble for so long. And now that things are coming forward and we're saying, wait a minute, you've had this privilege all this time, you know, there's room to share. You know, we're not trying to take anything away from you. We want the same thing that you do. Mm-hmm. So we want to bring those talks together. We know they're difficult, but um, we have to have them in order to change this world, in order to change this community. So, wow, that is a very lofty list of things and goals <laughs> and, and aspirations. And I love that sort of leadership where you're just like, well, this is, I'm just going to rattle off like these are 14 different things that I want to do. <laughs> and I love that you mentioned the, you know, working across generations, um, because I think in some ways, you know, and it's once you become, you know, a person who's in a position of leadership, it, it can be hard, you know, it can be hard because you have to fight hard to get where you are. And then, you know, it's it's hard to kind of let other people in. And, you know, just last week, I had a conversation with um, Generation Z, which is the, the young folks who come after millennials. So they're the mm-hmm. ones born from, you know, 1997 to the 2000s. And, you know, they, they, they had a lot of perspective that I, as a millennial, I didn't even think about like, oh, okay, well, that's actually kind of innovative. And I like the way that you think about that issue and why it's more important than, you know, say an issue that to me is more relevant. And I really enjoy having cross-generational conversations mm-hmm. um, because I don't know. I think it's because my name is Ernestine and I, I think I'm meant to be a baby boomer or like an older lady because I don't meet any young people. No, not any young Ernestine. Like Ernestine. <laughs> right, right. So I love, I feel like I spend most of my time with baby boomers and, you know, having that conversation, um, you know, there's so much wisdom to be gained, you know, from mm-hmm. the generations before me and even Generation X. And, you know, so I think, you know, we should always be looking for opportunities to mentor and to learn from each other across generations. So I'm glad that that's a focus. And, um, you know, I, I was actually like the last time I did come to an NAACP meeting, it was like, I was really excited to see, you know, just so many different um, demographics and backgrounds and, you know, just I think it was uh, someone from the State Department actually even brought up, it's like, wow, this is such a diverse NAACP meeting. Right. And, you know, I and think political parties too. We have Republicans right. and Democrats and liberals and, you know, just across the board. I mean, we, we have the whole gambit. So, but these people support that mission. These people want to see, you know, equal opportunities for everybody, you know, and, you know, we, they want to have those hard talks. So, they're part of this organization because they care. So yeah, it's, um, you know, and the older people that we have, I, you know, I'm not young, I'm 60 years old. I'm not 62. What capacity <laughs> are you using? I didn't okay. think, I'm thinking you're Generation X, so. No, 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 no. I'm six, I just turned 62. I don't have a problem saying that. And I, you know, I grew up in a different time. So I have some things that I can offer a young person and they have things they can offer me, you know, in a, in a different perspective about how things should be handled. Look at the marches that were held around the oh, yeah, community. all by Generation Z. So they're exactly. like mobilizing and exactly. they're they organized and they right. did what needed to be done. And they used that social media to get people out and get people marching. And I just applaud them because that is just wonderful to see that these young people are taking an interest in what's happening in their community and around them, you know, and they're not afraid to speak up. 
you know, not so at that all, is, not at right? all. And but that's what the NAACP has all been all about. You, we've been marching since four hundred and ten years plus. So these children, these young people, these uh, you know, these generations after me have, without knowing it, maybe have taken a a play out of the book of the NAACP to do marches and they're doing it in a different way, but they're doing it, you know, okay. and it's just amazing. So, right. And I, I definitely, I couldn't agree more. So do you think that, you know, we talked about 111 years of the mm -hmm. NAACP, will there be a day where we don't need the national association for the advancement of colored people? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there will be a day that we, you know, in the words of Martin Luther King, that we can all join together, you know, black boys, black girls, white girls, white boys, you know, hand in hand all together. Um, but the only way that we can get there is if we have the difficult conversations, if we open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to be open and receptive to everybody and to listen to what they have to say. We've been living in a world of privileged individuals, we've been the ones on the outside who have not enjoyed, there are some of us who enjoy some privilege, but not, you know, like um, white people. <laughs> and I hate to say it like that, but that's just the way it is. But there's privilege there and they've had the privilege and it is so ingrained in some of them that they can't see beyond that. You know, they can't see beyond that they are holding the privilege to themselves and they're not willing to share that. You know, we need to be able to bring other people into the fold, people of color into this fold. We deserve the same opportunities as, as they have. You know, we want to have that privilege to be able to do, to walk the streets without, I was sharing this story the other day. You know, when I go for my walk, I walk, you know, about between two and five miles a day. And when I leave out of my house, I take my ID with me. I make sure I have it on me. It's not because I've been stopped by the police. It's not because they have done anything to me or anybody else has done anything to me, but it's been so ingrained in us and it's been taught to us that you need to always have your ID on you, you know, because you never know when you'll be stopped because you're in a particular neighborhood that people don't think you belong in, you know? so. We is it has to come a day where people can live where they want to live without fearing repercussion. I'm not saying that people should not be pulled over when they do wrong. Absolutely, they should. And I applaud the police for doing their jobs and they have a hard position to um, do their jobs, you know, especially now with the things the way things are now, you know, they're being looked at different. However, they have some work that they need to do as well. You know, they can't deny the fact that these things have been happening to African-Americans who come into the gross points. You know, they can't deny that it's happened. So we need to work on that. So I, I'm hoping for the day and I hope to be able to live to see that day where, you know, we won't have to have uh, these issues in these conversations. I, I look forward to that day. But yeah. if we are not willing to have those difficult conversations, it's not going to happen. 
And speaking of like having that day, you know, we have a comment here from the audience um, and Tafiri Brent saying that uh, that uh, Sister Cynthia, your day is coming soon. And I think he's meaning like all of the the things that you've worked so hard for, these, you know, just just seats and places and spaces that, you know, you've worked really hard to to be in that in that space to to affect change. So and I appreciate Tafiri. He is he is a great guy. He's always been there when I needed him. And he's a great brother love him to death so yeah thank you so much for that yeah, yeah no problem we have a lot of really great comments out here um folks a lot of folks are watching and um i i wanted to also mention like you talked about privilege um i think a lot of that privilege pays it, it plays into the the socioeconomics of it you know there's there's the capitalist system is one that upholds patriarchy. So I think that in some ways, you know, the patriarchy is going to continue to uphold that sense of, you know, your narrative is more important than another person's narrative. And I think, you know, just to, I think to me, it's, it's a little bit more about, you know, controlling and subjecting people to something because of, you know, where people stand on the socioeconomic level or where do you, where, the the powers that be would sort of like to see you know just just folks who they I don't know I think they think are like deserving of being in a lower status you know I know uh, I had Commissioner Tim Colleen on the show and he talked about you know the the plight of the Irish and you know how this was always a group that was you know just marginalized and you know looked down on and you know treated like dirt by the English for so long and then here comes another whipping boy you know when when you had Africans brought to this country in 1619 so it's like it's always going to be a part of the patriarchy and and the capitalist system to to really try to tear people apart and really try to push certain groups down and to to keep people opposed and i think that you know we're entering an age where you said in the very beginning of the interview that people woke up and people keep using this term woke and i think it's more about people seeing that we we all collectively need to gain from people's oppress, oppression being lifted. So right. thank you so much for that perspective. Um, and so I, that, that kind of leads to one of my last questions, which is just to get to know you a little ah. bit more. You know, I've had a lot of really great conversations with you since um, becoming an elected official, since joining the NAACP. Um, and, you know, it, it, you, you've just like been a spot of sunshine and you strike me as somebody who works so tirelessly. And I remember one time you talked to me for like an hour and, uh, you know, it oh was God. just like, oh my gosh, I really appreciate it. She's the president. And she just <laughs> gave me like oh, this unfettered time that was like, she could have been doing so many other important things, but I really appreciate, you know, you and your hard work. And um, so, but what are some of your hobbies and talents and um, hidden talents, special interests? interests and passions all together. Oh my God. First of all, let me just say this. When people take time to call me, um, it's an honor for me to have them even call me, um, even you know, someone of your stature to call me and just have a conversation with me. And it's my duty as a person who is in the position that I'm in to talk to them because what they have to say is important. you know. And I don't just fluff people off. You know, that's one of the things I've learned in my years of in being this political realm. You know, I worked with Coleman Young and worked with Dennis Archer. And of course, like I said, uh, Jewel Ware. And I learned from each of these individuals something. And one thing I learned is that to listen, 
you know, there's nobody, you know, that's not important. You know, I, I need to take that time. If you took the time to call me, I'm going to take the time to talk to you. So, um, you know, and if I don't have that moment, then I will get back to you, you know, so that that's just it. So that's just how I am. I'm just an everyday person. You know, I didn't start off being in the civil rights. You know, my parents came from the South, you know, and they were kind of complacent with where they were. Um, you know, they had a good life and, but, you know, not like, you know, we weren't filthy rich or anything, but I really didn't. And they didn't teach me a lot of things about, you know, the civil rights movement, but I had a grandfather who um, taught me as well because, you know, he was a sharecropper and he dealt with Ku Klux Klan, Bernie crosses on his lawn. And, you know, we really didn't understand that going to the South every year and, yada, yada, yada. I, it didn't really hit me until the movement of Martin Luther King and then starting to get involved. And I really, really didn't get involved in civil rights until I was in high school. So, and here I am now. I, you know, I never dreamed that I would be working for a mayor of the city of Detroit. You know, when he was, he became mayor, I was in high school, you know? So, I mean, I, I uh, you know, had an opportunity to work for him and it was amazing. Um, so I never thought I would be having those opportunities, but I really don't have it. I, I like traveling, of course. I like reading. I like, um, and I'm a designer. I sew my own clothes. Um, so <laughs> yeah, and I love to cook. I love to bake. People are like, you can cook. Uh, yeah, I can cook. Trust me. That. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can cook. How do you think? <laughs> Wait, are you wearing yeah. your original designs right now? Show us. Uh, no, you can't see this one because it has wine on it. So I'm trying to be, so it's oh kind my of gosh, that a is little beautiful. top. So that's, that's my little thing. Mm -hmm. It just happens that <laughs> have about sparkling wine. I was trying to keep the camera up. So <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. This is yeah. such an informal podcast. And I yeah. feel like once we're able to meet in person, we probably will have, you know, maybe drinks or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, once we can meet out in public, right? But I'm a shopaholic. I'm a shoeaholic. I have a whole collection of shoes, um, you know, and some of the amazing boutiques around here. Um, I have to stay away from Personality, which is on Mac Avenue. It's a new shop. And I've been in there four or five times since they opened. It's like, okay, I got to stay out of here for a minute. But I like shopping, but I also like to make my own clothes. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just a passion of mine, you know? So, so that's it. I'm just kind of a normal everyday person. I like quiet time, you know, I'm so busy, you know, <laughs> um, that sometimes I just like sitting, watching TV. And now that it's the Christmas holidays, I get to sit and watch all of the Christmas shows you know, Scrooge and yes, <laughs> yes. I love, you know what I love is a wonderful life. And I'm that every, uh, it's like every year and they stopped playing it. I remember every station yes. would play it and right. they have stopped that now is only, I think channel four that still plays it. So, yeah. And they um, took off the Charlie Brown ones. I was, you know, I think um, Disney or Apple, I think Apple bought it. And it's because everybody has a streaming service now and they don't want yes. anybody to have a license over. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, I, I but on uh, one of the channels, they show all the Christmas things. So I get an opportunity to sit back and, you know, like when I get off this call, that's what I'm going to do, find a Christmas. <laughs> you know, and it just takes your mind off of things just to relax. You know, I meditate every morning. 
um, just to clear my head and get ready for the day. You know, I do Bikram yoga. Um, I do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but now that the COVID, I haven't been able to do it, but I used to do Bikram at least four times a week. Um, so I haven't been able to do that because of COVID, you know, but I used to be a bodybuilder. I'm so sorry, what? I was a competitive bodybuilder for two years. Competitive, not just a bodybuilder, but right. a competitive yeah. body. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I used to work with a woman. Um, she's a makeup artist and she like bodybuilding and I'm mm. like I need pointers and she's like way too busy but I'm like okay so now we're, we're gonna have to me and you yeah. and talk <laughs> yeah. about this yeah but a lot of people don't know that but yeah that that was years ago so do you have but photos I, do you have because I, uh, I need yeah. to look at a photo album like I, do. I have photos yeah How many I had trophies but I, I took the things off and donated them so yeah I had oh. about six trophies six you know, trophies Six. I only competed for two years and there were only maybe three contests that I would do a year, you know, um, and I was a natural bodybuilder, so I didn't take anything. So mm -hmm. a lot of bodybuilders, you know, take stuff and we get tested. So um, back, back then it was popular and it was not as detectable as it is now, but mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. You but it was just lifting it. weights and, and hard work and did, see, this is where your work ethic, I never knew that. <laughs> this is where this work ethic comes but from. But I started working when I was 16. I started working in high school. Hmm. So, and I started working at National Bank of Detroit and um, which is now Chase. So I'm back where I started. So Chase Bank downtown. So yeah, mm -hmm. I used to work there. So I started working when I was 16. So yeah, I, uh, you know, discipline, you know. But it takes a certain type of discipline to become a <laughs> bodybuilder. I am so impressed. And that, uh -huh. is, that is, I swear that, that was, that was the, the cherry on top of an amazing <laughs> interview <laughs> to learn that. Yeah, oh. yeah, that was years ago. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, now I just do Bikram. I do Bikram and I do still do cardio stuff. So every day and especially now with COVID, I do a lot at home. So, mm -hmm. so that's, okay. what, that's me. I'm just a normal everyday person, you know, so. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, and, absolutely. you know, this, this has been quick to politic. It has been a pleasure to speak with you. And, you know, it's always wonderful when I talk with you, your, your wealth of knowledge and information you. and, you know, just always so humble. So I really appreciate that about you and having you being an advocate in this community. So yeah. um, thank and you for you all the work. Well. I mean, I see the things that you do and the initiatives that you had and, I mean, I just see you in the community just being so out there and you're, it's, the pleasure is mine and it's been a joy meeting you and getting to know you. And I look forward to doing more things with you if we can partner doing some things. But yeah, I just, um, thank you so much for this opportunity. I just really appreciate it. And it's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this. So, and a part of this community. So, okay. Um, and thank okay. you for everybody who joined us out here. I'm going to yeah, go ahead and stop you. that live stream. Thank you for all of the comments, questions. Um, my other favorite, Cynthia, said that she um, loves, you know, this interview. And um, she's also talking about the, the wonderful Christmas movie, movies. She's been having a Christmas movie-a-thon with her husband. Yes. So, and um, the baking shows, the holiday baking yes, shows. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So thank you for all of you who joined us out there watching. And yeah. So, all right, that's the end of the live. <laughs>
Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. All right. The live is done and okay. I'm going to go ahead and stop recording.